Hey everybody, welcome to Smart Guy, Dumb Guy. If you haven't heard our theme song, Fault State, by Trailer Swift, the one and only, is now available. You can go find it wherever music is listened to. And there will be a link in our show notes. And if this is your first time listening, I'm your host, Johnny Morrison. And with us, as always, is your fellow host and equally smart person, Christian Serge. Well, I don't know about equally smart, but thank you. (laughs) That's right, everyone. Hey, thanks for joining the show. For the next 23 minutes or so, we're going to have a conversation about current events, culture, and politics, the subject you love the most from both sides of the intellectual spectrum it's How's like it the John? subject you love to hate the most that's how i thought you were gonna say it was like almost like a tv announcer but i think it's true now we love politics but we hate politics and i actually i feel like i'm getting really tired of talking about politics so it's nice when i read actually there's something someone's being confirmed or that you know biden's doing something terrible and people don't agree with it but nobody's storming the capitol we're gonna try to work it out <laughs> yes it is you know, like I, I've been wondering, like, when is the moment the shoe will drop from, like, the GOP or from the Trump administration, like, coming back into the limelight? But it's like we've had a little bit of calm compared yeah. to the, you know, the last four years. Like, I know that CPAC. If you're listening to this, I guess CPAC has already happened. But while we're recording this, CPAC, the conservative, um, like, political action committee, is about to happen. Trump's going to speak. It's the first like big political speech he's going to give since being, um, since. I think January 6th, really. Um, and I guess, and then like his, his leave from office, but it's like, we've had a little reprieve, which has been very nice. It's just boring. He has, to, he has to speak again. Yeah. They're having to come back. The state is real bad. It's real bad right now. And I, I, I'm getting a real bad headache from this and <laughs> I don't have my orange on. Oh man. I just, I don't, I don't look forward to hearing him speak again. It, I, ever since Trump has been out of the office, I've been drinking less. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> In fact, uh, I did a 21 day fast and decided to stop drinking alcohol for 21 days. And I thought it was really interesting because the first, second, third, fourth day, it just kind of kept getting more and more at the end of the night. I was like, yeah, I think I want to drink. And then third or fourth day, I'm like, yes, I would like a drink. And then it, it faded. Hmm. And the really cool thing about what happened was I was gaining so much more time in the evening for intellectual things, for reading, uh, rather than having a scotch or two and playing Lego Batman. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know you can have a scotch and read. I'm not trying to say that you have to do the two together. but Well, the, the thing of it is, is I don't read many books. As you know, I read periodicals and newspaper articles because reading puts me to sleep. And I know everybody's like, well, you just don't read a lot. No, it does. It, it like it, It's really hard. If if I start reading right before a plane takes off, as soon as we start to climb, I'm asleep for at least 45 minutes. Interesting. Then, and then when I wake up, I can read for about another hour, and then I usually take another nap again. So huh. if I want to go to sleep, read. Oh, so that's why, okay. So if you have the scotch, the scotch plus the alcohol, or the scotch plus the book, too much. It's too sleepy. <laughs> too sleepy. So that's why you got to so play have, Lego Batman. Yes, which is really fun. <laughs> I love I love puzzle games, and so they're really fun. But But the point I was trying to make is, the amount of like sleep I was getting was better. The amount of mm. time I was getting with uh, friends and writing music and recording music, it just 
it came back to me in ways that I didn't realize. And, you know, generally speaking, fasting is a, a, a principle that a lot of religious folk have and Christians mm-hmm. uh, either practice or they don't, but it's also really good to fast. Like when you think of fasting, you think of the fasting a meal, but I decided to take that 21 day fast and mm-hmm. um, it was really nice. And then it was really nice to have a, a cocktail on the 21st day. When, when, like, when was the fast through? Cause you're, we're right in the middle of Lent now. So we're right in the middle of the, 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 Season of fasting most globally celebrated by the Christian community, <laughs> and you're done with your fast? No. So this was January 1st. Okay. Uh, through like the 21st, 22nd, and uh, I broke my fast in alcohol. Our neighbors was having her, uh, her 45th birthday party, and we have never been invited to my neighbor's house because uh, there's a language barrier. And uh, I love the music. I'm always shazamming it. I'm always trying to communicate, asking, hey, what, what is this? And she was like, I like Corona and Modelo. So I brought over a 24-pack of Corona, and we cracked a beer. And it was really fun to just like get to know them and the whole crew and her family and have some great uh, tacos that's and drink beer. And yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that's cool. It was. Thanks, man. Yeah. Love it. What are we, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, the... The first thing that's up on the docket is potentially political. So it's kind of that's actually kind of the question at the heart of this is does it become a political issue or does it stay an issue in the Justice Department? So if you've been paying attention to the nominations that Biden has been making, then um, right now, as we record this, and it will probably be done by the time you're listening, Merrick Garland has been nominated and is in the process of being confirmed for the Attorney General. And if you that name sounds familiar. It's because Merrick Garland was Obama's last Supreme Court nominee that was blocked by Mitch McConnell and not able to take a seat on the Supreme Court. So he's been renominated, but now for uh, the attorney general role, which is a role that he's deeply qualified for. He worked in the attorney general office under Clinton um, and all the way back to Carter. So super qualified. But here's the question I want to ask, and it comes from an article by David Graham on The Atlantic which is what role do we think that the attorney general should play? Because Mayor Garland is one who's been so wrapped up in politics, kind of despite him, because, you know, the, the filibuster stopped him from being seated on the Supreme Court. Uh, now he's being brought in, and part of the reason he's being brought in is because he was the person who oversaw the Timothy, Timothy McVeigh Oklahoma City bombing, which was like the biggest act of domestic terrorism. So, like, he's the perfect person to prosecute all the insurrectionists from January 6th. Mm. All of those things may be true, maybe good, but they're so close to the line of politics and partisan justice department, which is the same criticism that all of us had of Bill Barr, that he was super partisan and gave cover to Donald Trump and the actions of Donald Trump. So it just felt like it brought up some interesting questions. Like what kind of attorney general do we want Garland to be? How does he stay out of uh, a too politicized role. One of the questions that comes with that is like, should Garland investigate Donald Trump or should those stay in like more civil courts? Like all these questions are like how involved in politics, if Hunter Biden gets investigated, what should Garland do? If anything, um, you just kind of these like interesting questions that are all political, but people want the justice department to press into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before Trump, all I thought the attorney general was good for was to put this general warning on tobacco products and be like, the attorney general says smoking will cause cancer. And I'm like, who is this attorney general guy? Why do we like, what else does he do? Right. Uh-huh. 
and so just, you know, really I started doing a little bit of research right before the show and realized that that's really what I thought the attorney general was. And uh, I, I feel like Trump fired like 10 of them because they wouldn't be loyal to protecting him. And I found out some interesting things, right? In history, since like Jimmy Carter, each side, right or left, has complained and accused mm. the, each side of the attorney general of being a guy that protects the president. It's, mm -hmm. it's like it's his, it's his assassin, if you will, a, a lawyer assassin, right? It doesn't yeah. kill people, but protects. So I don't know who the attorney general is, meaning I don't know what kind of, of person uh, Garland is. It seems like he's a center moderate guy, but is he going to break the mold? It seems like some Democrats are saying, hey, do exactly what Barr did, but, but you know, for good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely that pressure, right? Like I saw it from you see some more of like some of the more progressive parts of the uh, party are like, yeah, use that power to investigate Trump, to investigate Trump's family, to investigate like Trump relations. And and like the tricky part about that is if you believe, which I do in many instances, that there is actual criminal activity, maybe that's the right call. But then like, how is it not? so caught up in partisanship and get blown up into like a really partisan kind of way. Yeah. I mean, cause he's a lawyer that has been appointed by the president to serve the president. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to be biased towards Hunter Biden. It's like, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing per se to have a guy that protects you in the case of a guy that I don't like, it does really bum me out. Yeah. <laughs> but I would much rather see uh, Garland stand for the American people. And actually, I, I saw in the article that uh, Biden really just said, I want him to make a decision on what, right? Didn't he say, I want him to make a decision on what this office should be? And Garland mm -hmm. said, I want to protect the, the people of the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, I mean, right, like you, you're, this is the tricky thing about this role, which is if you're appointed by the president of the United States, but you're the people's attorney, right? You're not supposed to be the president's attorney. And the president actually has a chief legal counsel in their administration that's not the attorney general. Like the attorney oh. general is supposed to be the people's lawyer. I didn't know that. And so it's fascinating. Yeah, but you're, I mean, look, what you said is totally right. Like it is, there's a, like, you have all the comments about, Jeff Sessions, who Trump removed because, or I can't remember if Sessions resigned, but it was all, Sessions recuses himself from the Russia probe. Right. And Trump, you know, gets really frustrated and starts blaming Sessions for not being loyal and then talks about how Eric Holder protected Obama and how Jeff Sessions won't protect him. And you're like, I think that might be a violation of the principle of this role, but it's kind of built into the role itself that this person, because they're appointed by their president, does the wishes of the president at some level. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like if you get hired by a company, you want to really do right by the company and not get fired. So there is totally. a bias a bias there. I attended this, uh, I have been attending this Zoom webinar called How to Love in a Divided Culture. And it specifically talks about our explicit and our implicit bias, the, a bias that we recognize and we say, hey, I have a problem with the French, right? I say that all the time on the show, that is an explicit bias. And then we have these implicit biases that we don't know that they're there. Mm -hmm. I feel like that the attorney general, regardless of who it is, 
he's going to have an implicit bias. Mm-hmm. He's just going to do stuff that's going to protect the president that hires him. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know if I believe in him. Yeah, it's tricky, right? And I, I really, that's a, I, I agree with that at some level. Like, I like what I've seen from Garland. I think he could be stronger on civil rights legislation, but I think, like, he really is one of the most experienced, like, domestic terrorist prosecutors in the United States. Like, um, the Daily, the New York Times podcast, like, I think Thursday morning, this last Thursday, did an amazing episode on Garland's uh, history with, like, Timothy Cavay. Really good, really helpful, really powerful. So he's definitely competent and qualified. Hmm. But it is interesting, like, is the role from its very baseline nature a bit compromised because it's appointed by the president? And then if the president is uncomfortable with the investigations the attorney general is doing, just removes them, right? That's what Nixon did to his own uh, attorney general and uh, deputy attorney generals. So you just remove them, which is a red flag for the nation, but still you just remove them. I'm actually amazed that he's not getting more pushback from the Republicans. They made him wait 293 days to could be confirmed for yeah. the Supreme Court, right? Obama in his last year had like, I don't know, six months or something. And like, you can't assign a federal judge in that amount of time. And Obama's like, yeah, I am. I'm going to try doing that. I'm going to do it's my obligation. Well, we had and way more time it. than Amy Coney Barrett had. So. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> Yes, we did. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, we can start talking and blaming and pointing fingers and lumping people in to the Republican Party or Democrat Party, but I learned last week that is not good. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it's, I guess, and this is maybe us trying to be, you know, for my mom's sake. This is us being honest about some of our yes. own hesitations. With Mayor Garland's career is impressive. Yes. But an attorney general, the people's lawyer who investigates crimes at all level, investigates like that person, like Merrick Garland would investigate the FBI. Merrick Garland would investigate political, other political appointees or political officials. It feels like a little bit like you're, you're kind of baking the numbers by being appointing the person who investigates other, your, your office. It's like, if I, if it's like an insurance company gets to hire their own auditors. <laughs> right like that's problematic yeah sorry that, i don't know why that made me laugh so much i maybe i was thinking about yeah when i'm in trouble you get to hire you know you get to like implant or stack the deck in your favor and that yeah. always feels really fun to me like oh yeah, yeah. or i'm in trouble and i get to hire the cops right like yeah. i <laughs> like the, even if they mean well there's probably a little bit of a bias there i don't know yeah well mr garland i have this question uh, red meat is a car, uh, class one carcinogenic, which is also in the same class as tobacco. Are we going to have a uh, attorney general warning on red meat? Oh, that's a good question. Yes, it is. Um, you know, speaking of putting warnings on things, I think that uh, the next article we're going to talk about out of Oakley, California, the school board could have used a warning before they started kind of talking out their noses on live public Zoom. I don't know if you've heard about this article, but in the New York Times, the Oakley School Board didn't know that they were live on a Zoom meeting, and they started complaining that the parents wanted their kids to come back into school so they could have their, quote, babysitters back, or so that they could stay home and smoke pot. And one of the school board members actually uh, 
uh, threatened. She's like, if you come after me, I'm going to F you up. And then the lady goes, uh, we've, we're live. And some of the board members like, really? Are you kidding me? And then it just went black. So there was an outrage, a complete outrage of Oakley. Now, if you don't know where Oakley, California is, it is about 40 miles north of Oakland. If you don't know where Oakland is, it's about 40 miles west of San Francisco. If you and, and now if you're from San Francisco, you guys are probably going to say, Christian, you're totally wrong. But it's right there. It's 40 miles around, like west, sorry, east of San Francisco and Oakland. So small town, 40,000 people. And the parents went nuts. They called for the resignation and everybody resigned. They resigned. So hmm. question I have is, question I have is, if you haven't seen it, just hear that story on face value. And here's the question. Was this an example of cancel culture or was this just natural consequence? Hmm. Yeah, good question. What do you have a do you have a thought? <laughs> well, um, I have a big thing that like, boils in my heart about justice. And I want justice. And then I married this woman who has a really, really soft heart, an empathetic heart. And she always questions my like desire for justice. Like I'm the guy who's like, yeah, second amendment. And I used to be a hunter and and free speech and you know, all that stuff. And she's like, well, how does that affect other people? And Mm. what, what do other people read about that? And what if you were in other people's shoes? And so, I mean, I think they did the right thing. In resigning. Uh, in resigning. I think it's the only thing they could have done. Hmm. But I think if they if they didn't resign, I think cancel culture would have, well, I think they're canceled anyway. They're gonna be they're gonna be remembered for this for the rest of their lives. You're the oh, you're the school board teacher that, you know, got fired for telling us we wanted to smoke pot. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that they resigned because they would have been canceled? It's like, if we can just cancel ourselves, it might like mitigate some of the issues. I think they resigned for a couple of reasons. So they didn't have to answer questions, Hmm. right? They didn't have to answer stuff from the school board or kind of be put on some kind of question. And, you know, again, I've been going to this class about how to love in a divided culture because I knew that I was like kind of, I had people calling me. Remember, I was telling them to go to hell and I was saying, unfollow me. And then we weren't having conversations and I wasn't really getting anywhere in my relationships and losing, kind of losing friends and losing people. Yeah. And and I like people. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, how do I do this? And one of the ways that they were talking is, hey, we need to talk and ask questions and, mm. um, you know, really... Uh, you know, ask and try to be in that other person's shoes. And I know it's, yeah. it's difficult. So when I think about this, I'm like, well, um, they did the right thing and I feel better about that. But mm. I don't know. What do you think? The thing that feels so hard about it is that everybody in this circumstance is in such a pressurized, difficult space, right? Like the parents are in such a difficult space. Like I was just, I was reading the article and like, one of the stories is like a mom who's talking about how her husband had to take two months off from his like steel manufacturing job to help with the daughter. Uh, and so you have like, like the help with the daughter schooling. And so you have like parents who are, who are making these massive sacrifices in order to do education for their kids still, still in their homes. But it's not that teachers are not making massive sacrifices either. Right. Teachers have right. gone back into work. 
uh, often being vaccinated underneath other like fields and industries. Like many teachers are still not vaccinated in a lot of places. So they're enduring tons of pressure, having to learn how to do online systems and online learning while also doing in classroom. So it's like, I feel like that's, it's kind of a heartbreaking situation. You have so much pressure on both sides and then it feels like it kind of exploded. And then I don't know. I like, I haven't read enough. So to correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it feels like it's kind of a sad outcome that a bunch of like administrators or board members or whatever resigned. Cause you're like, they're highly pressurized and there probably could have been some kind of reconciliation mm. healing and then like relearning how to support the students and parents and teachers through this process because like everybody is being worked to the max in this moment. Hmm. Yeah. I think the pressure cooker is high pressure on all yeah. sides. I know I feel it. Yeah. I mean, you got a boy at home. Like, yeah, I feel the pressure and I am technically a teacher as well. And I tried to get the vaccine and I haven't done a whole lot of teaching last year uh, or the start of this year, but I, I'm not able to get it in California because Kaiser didn't get some of the vaccines that they wanted to get. California hasn't gotten all they wanted, you know, and that's the story of all the states. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you make a good point. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just, this is almost an easier story to have a conversation around, um, like what you were talking about, cancel culture. How do you love well in divided times? Because like, I think you can kind of take the politics that divide us out of this conversation. And you see like beat down teachers beat down parents for the most part everybody's in this situation because they really do want what's best for kids and everybody's just getting the shit kicked out of them and so of course they're going to explode at some point right and of course teachers are going to feel used and exploited and of course parents are going to feel under supported and under helped and under resourced and and then the teachers and the parents are going to they're going to launch at each other and what sucks is it's neither in most circumstances, it's not really either of their fault. Because they have no systemic support. They have no systemic structure. They don't have funding. They're not getting vaccination. They're under, you know, they're understaffed and overworked. Yeah. Like parents don't have the resources they need. Um, like what do we, huh. what do we expect from this situation? Except for, you know, there'd be a, an explosion. And how many times do we all sit around around the campfire and come on, we succumb to just making fun of people a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone who is immune to that. I mean, maybe one or two people that I've been around and they just never do that. It's not part of their makeup. But, you know, sometimes you let your guard down and you totally. say something. That's so interesting that that's your, of course, of course, that's the reverend's <laughs> point of view. You know, I think we could learn about by what you just said, because, you know, you look at stories like this and I quickly go to, well, it's this or this. And that's mm. one thing in the divided culture. They're like, hey, there's more than two outcomes. It's mm-hmm. not, are there pedophiles in California trying to assassinate the president or are there not? I mean, there's more to the story, right? Yeah. There's more totally. than just two sides. So when you talk, it's like, um, it's not just right or left. There's a whole spectrum in the middle. And I think this story, if you read it, um, would I would probably do good to consider Johnny's point of view more than mine. But mm. I guess now I'm turning over a new leaf saying, hey, there's more to this story that we can learn. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's a good that's a good way of summing up. There's more to the story than we 
in all stories than we often give credit for. And then there's also just the reality that when those stories get broadcasted on Zoom meetings or into then like like in the internet, they have a way of taking like getting gaining a lot of steam and momentum. So mm-hmm. then it's hard to like slow the snowball down sort of and like unpack all the snow and be like, oh, there's a human in the middle of this destructive yeah. snowball that needs to be yeah. taken care of also. Yeah. Well, the school board is now left without a board of trustees and um, some of the, a lot of the leadership's gone. So they're trying to figure out what to do there and uh, it's probably going to be a little bit of a mess. So, yeah. Last words. Last words. Um, hmm. Good question. I think one, the story that you just shared is really important for our actual everyday life. Like listen well, pay attention to what's actually happening in a moment and mm. try to see the humanity of people because especially in this space, people are so beat down, so high strung. Let's have some grace for one another. Amen. And then maybe let's be skeptical of um, and cautious of what we see in uh, our, our appointed political officials. <laughs> was that your last words for Garland? <laughs> that was I. I want to. I like him. I like him as a person. But I think that you know you should probably be skeptical and a little, you know, a little reserved about this calm moment that we have in the Biden administration. And be like, yeah, but not everything is fixed, right? Like our immigration policy is still pretty broken. Like we're still waiting, and you know, let's watch. Let's hope that Garland doesn't get too political. Yes. Well, a healthy dose of skepticism is like a healthy dose of coffee. It makes you That's feel right. good. Makes you That's feel good. That's right. It's <laughs> and it helps you stay a little a little alert. Yes. Too much coffee though, you just get paranoid. Skepticism is like coffee. That's the I, end. That's I love that. Thanks. Thanks. Well, I hope you have your cup of coffee uh, this morning as you listen to the show. <laughs> that ends our episode of Smart Guy. Dumb guy, thanks for listening. Thanks.